0: Eagles
1: Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Just do it. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown!
0: You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy.
2: That's right, another week. And Monday Night Football is getting closer as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 423. At the top of today's show, we've got 3 and Out, where I chat with my friend Chris McPherson to discuss three big topics surrounding the Eagles going into this matchup against Washington. What three things are at the forefront of c mind? Well, he's going to fill us in right at the top of the show. After that, we've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennel and I do a fine focus on this matchup with the X's and O's in mind. We've gone through the tape on both teams in depth our show Eagles game plan it's all done shooting for the week so what are our big takeaways what do we expect to see on primetime Monday Night Football we're going to hit on it there in that segment then to close out the show in faux focus I catch up with someone who does a great job breaking down the Washington Commanders particularly when it comes to the X's and O's that's Mark Bullock Mark's been on the show before he always gives very thorough analysis of this squad going into these matchups before we get there a couple things want to make sure we hit on number one make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question about this team, the, again, still lone undefeated team in football, go leave that question there in the comment box. We will answer it here in an upcoming show. We are going to get to one of those comments from Apple Podcasts here later in this episode. Also, I caught up with the Eagles defensive backs coach Denard Wilson this week on Eagles Game Plan. Here are a few segments from a, a clip we call Tape Study. Inside Eagles Game Plan really dove into the tape with Denard and he was awesome. Coach Wilson was outstanding here in the- this segment, so you want to make sure you go watch the full uh, version that gets posted up on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, but I saved a chunk here for you in this podcast. Well, joining us this week here for Tape Study presented by Chickies and Pete's Eagles defensive backs coach Jenard Wilson. Coach, before we get into the tape, I wanted to ask you a couple of newcomers to this Eagles secondary coming into the year. What was it like getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury acclimated over the course of the summer and in C.J.'s case, right on the eve of the season?
1: Well, it was tough with C.J. because we had uh, a couple of days before we actually went out and played the first play. But it's just all about getting them caught up with terminology, um, trying to get them to understand the techniques and fundamentals that we're asking them to do within the defense. And then once they get the verbiage and you can kind of put the verbiage that they used prior to to the verbiage that we had to make it simple for them. Mm-hmm. They began to play a little faster, and uh, it was it was it was fun to do it. That's why we get paid to be coaches.
2: Uh, and it helps having those two guys, or having guys in the secondary that have been there in year two. Yeah. Darius Slay being one of them. Take us through uh, this Darius Slay interception against the Minnesota Vikings.
1: Okay, well, first and foremost, you know, just understanding the area of the field that we're in, we're in the high red zone. And within the high red zone, certain teams attack the defense a certain way. All right. Knowing this is a touchdown, checkdown mentality offense in a high red zone, meaning that they want to throw the ball in the end zone. OK, or if it's not there, check it down all right, to underneath cover defenders. So when you see Slay here, he aligns doing his responsibility and understand what's about to happen.
2: Coach, the thing that stood out to me, too, just listening to you go through that, is that there's a certain amount of patience that's required in discipline your technique there with Darius as well, right? Because he gets right on top of them, but right. doesn't really break down. So
1: when you get into the red zone as a defensive back, if you're playing off coverage, the first thing I, I teach these guys is this. Eliminate your pedal, mm. okay? So when you see guys out on the field, they backpedal faster because guys can push. It's, it's more room to run vertical. When you get down here, it's not a lot of room. So you slow your your footwork up, and what you see him doing, how he's coming out, it's more of a scooch technique. So you're scooching out to cause the cushion, and when the quarterback back foot hits, he's connected at the top of the route. And it allows you to slow down, play with your eyes, play position and leverage, and, you know, Slade being who he is, he made a hell of a play.
2: Eyes on the ball, is able to make this play, a, a huge play uh, in the red zone coach. And we talk about eye discipline and the ability to kind of read the, the body language of the receiver, the quarterback. James Bradbury uh, brings that to the table. We see that on this play as yeah. well.
1: All right, so playing against Dallas here, we're playing basic cover four defense right here. And in cover four defense, the corners are responsible for number one, okay? We tell the safeties you can zone your quarter. That means that you're getting depth. All right, to protect the corners on any overs, yep. any crossing routes. So the corners know right now that they're protected by their safeties. So what that allows James and Slay to do right now is be patient all right, and sit on any underneath route. All right, If any underneath routes occurs, they can go be aggressive and steal it, and, and the safeties are protecting you for any deep overs, any deep routes. So you see them right now, how patient they are. they open, they're getting ready to go sit, and James sits perfectly. Both of them get connected at the same time. Time. All right, the ball comes out. James makes a hell of a break at the top of the route. Uh, he gets his hands on it. And Chauncey and Marcus, being where they're supposed to be, you know, as safeties, you're responsible for tips and overthrows. And this is a great example of a tip and overthrow. And then the guys converging at the top of the route to attack the ball. In the defensive back room, you know, we talk about attacking the ball with violence, whether it's in a run game or in a pass game. So if the ball's up in the air, it's ours, go get it. And you see Slays fighting for it right there. Uh, it's just a great play. of. You know, it was kind of teach tape on the way they played it. It's executed uh, to a T. All right, this is one of my
2: favorite players we had all year. Coach, when you have two new guys that are not familiar with us, so this is week three, so Kaiser James only been together for a few weeks at this point. How long does it take that communication to, to really gel?
1: Well, it takes some time. You know, they had the offseason. season. Um, we do a good job of having the guys around each other. We talk the same language and, and verbiage when we're in the meeting rooms. So guys, we we have back seven uh, walkthroughs and things like that. So, you know, all the guys are receptive. They all, they're all they all about winning. They're all about doing the right things. And you see it, you know, in these few plays that it can carries over uh that's kudos to the guys in the room they're excellent they're professionals and um you know they're, they're willing to do whatever it takes to win
2: and again for that whole segment be sure to check out the entire tape study clip or check out eagles game plan it comes out on fridays on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the eagles social media channels that said let's get now into three and out it's time to welcome in chris mcpherson
3: How about this for a start?
2: They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm gonna have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three, and out. All right, well, let's get things going here with 3 and Out as I welcome in my friend Chris McPherson to uh, talk through the three things, again, at the forefront of his mind, which can be a scary place sometimes. Uh, C-Mac, uh, take us through what's uh, What's at the top of mind for you? It's today?
4: funny. I feel like it's been a long time, even though we are on our regular schedule. Yes. For whatever reason, it feels like it's been a lot longer. I don't know if the mini-bye week. It's a, and
2: it's a long way till Monday night still, too. That's
4: the other thing, yeah. We'll talk get into that one. So a lot of streaks are going to be on the line on Monday night. So, the Eagles are looking for their first 9 0 start in franchise history. I think we've all known about that. Jalen Hurts, he's won 11 straight games as a starting quarterback, uh, dating back to last season. And, uh, you know, regular season, of course. And the Eagles, believe it or not, have won five in a row against Washington on Monday nights. Wow, there you go. So, kind of a weird situation for the Eagles. We talked about the, the extended absence here. You know, the Eagles go from the bye week. To two games in five days with the wins over the Steelers and Texans, and then another like mini-bye week, so to speak, the 10-day layoff.
2: Two straight weekends with no Eagles football. Exactly,
4: yep. yes, don't remind us all out there. Uh, the Commanders, meanwhile, they haven't had their bye week yet. They're coming off a tough loss to the Minnesota Vikings last week, uh, but their bye week isn't until week 14. They still have a little while to go before their break there. So, Commanders come into this, into this game last place in a division, but just a half game out of the wild card, and... Uh, kind of want to touch on something that you wrote for our Game Day magazine piece, uh, looking at the change-ups that we'll see uh, when two teams, division rivals, have a rematch in season. But to me, where I want to start is the biggest change from the first meeting is the quarterback position for Washington. Sure. Taylor Heineke in at quarterback there. Uh, Big personnel change. Obviously, Carson Wentz is injured, still on injured reserve. He can come back the following week but will not be available for the Monday night game. Uh, Heineke suffered his first loss as a starter this season against the Vikings. He threw for season lows in passing yards, passer rating, and completion percentage. Going back to that first meeting back in week three, the Eagles were able to get to Carson Wentz nine times. Most that Wentz has ever been sacked in a single game. Uh... Wentz is known for holding the ball, holding on to the ball for quite a long time, but believe it or not, Taylor Heineke has had a longer average time to throw than Wentz this season, hmm. and he's been over three seconds. Typically, you're you're looking at you know two point seven five below that. Heineke's been over three seconds in the last two games. Uh, he's thrown for fewer passing yards than Wentz this season uh, per game. He has the same touchdown-interception to ratio. I know a lot of fans in Washington. I think would like to see Heineke stay as a starter. I don't know if Heineke's been that much of an upgrade over Carson Wentz to this point. Um, Heineke, he faced the Eagles back in January, end of last season. You know, he was efficient, 27 to 36, 247 yards an interception, was sacked three times. Um, There are still options in the passing game. You have Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, who's averaging 16 yards per catch, second in the conference behind only A.J. Brown. Uh, You have Curtis Samuel, who had 65 yards and a touchdown last week against the Vikings. It seems like they're getting him more going in the vertical passing game. He's been more of like the check down option for for Washington throughout most of the season. Uh, But number one, as you look at the film, Fran, what are you seeing? the difference going from the Carson Wentz-led offense to this Taylor Heineke-led uh unit?
2: Well, I, I think there's there's a couple things at play here. In that, um, from a personnel standpoint, there are definitely some changes. Not just a quarterback, but uh, the offensive line a little bit even more damaged than they were in week three. Uh, it's new run game. You know, Brian Robinson was not healthy uh, the last time these two teams yep. played. Uh, and look, they're they're having issues running the football. And so you're starting to see more bells and whistles kind of thrown in uh, from an offensive approach standpoint. More motion. Uh, they've always been high up in play action, but. Uh, You're starting to see like more option football, more RPOs. They're leaning more into those things to try and manufacture some easy offense for Taylor Heineke. And I think ultimately you're also seeing a quarterback that is just more comfortable in a scheme that he's been in for a couple of years with players that he's been around for a couple of years as opposed to Carson who was new to that situation, new to that scheme, new to that verbiage. is a completely different offense than what he's been in throughout the course of his career. So I think ultimately that's why you might be seeing a little bit more from a production standpoint. But to your point, to what you said earlier uh it's not like Heineke is you know playing as a, a great executioner of the offense and getting the ball out fast he's running around he's making some plays uh they've had some some good things that have gone their way uh some of the new schemes that they've kind of factored in have been uh efficient for them but uh they are not as aggressive we talked last time that these two teams played that uh is a straight vertical offense a lot of play action hey we're going to try and target uh Samuel and McLaren and those and, Do- and Dotson downfield well Jahan Dotson has been a non-factor because of this hamstring injury yep. that, that has taken him out of commission. Uh, he had like four touchdowns in the first two games, something like that, going into that Eagles matchup. I had a couple catches in that Eagles game, so I think when when you look at this pass game, it's a it's a little bit disjointed, but they're finding ways to be able to move the football. And so um, I, I think when you're looking at Heineke, yeah, like he's good, he's going to hold on to the football at times. So the, the recipe is there. I don't know, uh, repeating nine sacks is probably a little bit of a high expectation. You're not going to expect that same kind of thing, but. But I do think that there are going to be sacks on the table for this Eagles defense.
4: Certainly. So going to number two, and we'll we'll touch a little bit more on the offense in in my third point. You were mentioning some of the guys I wanted to get to. But uh, I want to look at the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And for him, will he air it out again on Monday night like he did in that week three win over the Commanders? It was the Devontae Smith game, if we all remember. It seems like a lifetime ago almost, thinking back to week three of the season. But eight catches 168 yards, a career high, just multiple highlight reel catches. The one deep one down the right sideline had the one uh, right at the goal line and then the touchdown, I remember, at the end of the first half. uh, Hurts threw for a season-high 340 yards in that game, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He leads all qualified quarterbacks. This is according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Leads all qualified quarterbacks with a 134.1 passer rating on downfield throws this season that means 10 plus air yards well washington has allowed quarterbacks a 117 passer rating on downfield passes the fourth worst mm. in all of football now you may think okay it's going to be bombs away for Devonte, and but at the same time all signs point to a return of chase young former number two overall pick for washington you're adding him to a defensive line that has Montez Sweat, who has been the fourth best edge rusher in the NFC, number six in the league all season long. It's a we talk about Washington and their first round pedigree along the line all the time. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Allen has been outstanding once again. Yeah, this Payne and season. Allen have been really, really good. So good this season. Now you look on the back end. Okay, William Jackson, he was traded to the Steelers. Well. William Jackson didn't play in the first meeting. He had a back injury that came up late in the week and uh, was a late scratch for the Commanders in that Week Three showdown. So I, I, I would
2: game. say about William Jackson too that he is he was kind of in the uh, you know in the crosshairs of a lot of those big plays that they allowed. There were a lot of busted coverages throughout the first half of this season from this Washington defense, and uh, I would say that those are a little bit uh, fewer and far between now uh, with him not when he's been on the field and off the field. The splits well, are pretty. A good, that's pretty big. what we
4: call it's it. good lead in for. Go. I appreciate the lead-in because the Commanders have only allowed 16 points per game over the last five weeks, good for fourth in the league. Yep, And powered by the front line of Sweat and obviously with the return likely of Young, the Commanders have forced the second-highest quarterback pressure rate in the league all season long. Hurts, totally different passer when facing pressure and not against pressure. He has a 79.4 passer rating and just one touchdown – thrown This year when under pressure where on the other side, he has 11 of his passing touchdowns and a 115.1 passer rating when he's not under pressure. So certainly to me, it's gonna be very interesting to see what will be this Eagles approach. A lot of the signs point to Jalen Hurts could have a field day against this defense, but it seems like while Washington's offense is trying to figure out answers. The defense is keeping them in football games.
2: Yeah, I think this defense, and I'm going to get into it a little bit with Ben a little bit later, but I think that this is a a really aggressive group that pair of corners, uh, you know, when you look at Benjamin St. Juice, that was his first time playing on the outside in the NFL. Yep. Uh, back in Week Three, and he had a good game. I actually, in my notes, went back and he was one of the two or three guys I highlighted for them. that was like, yeah, this guy really stood out uh, on film. Um, I, I think when you look at his combination of uh, his size and his athleticism, his length really shows up. Uh, they and they trust him. I mean, if you look at the way that they've played the last few weeks, I mean, he shadowed Justin Jefferson. They they used him in a way that, uh, like, you know, even if it wasn't always man-to-man. He always lined up across from him. He traveled with him into the slot at times, uh, and I thought he gave him a good battle. Now, Jefferson had his catches, um, but I think that you look at St. Just and say, all right, this is a young player in his second year that they feel can be an ascending player for them uh, moving forward. Now, um, when you pair that with Kendall Fuller, who's been a starting corner in this league for, uh, what now, a handful of different years. He was 2016 third-round pick, so uh, six years now, he's been a starting corner in the NFL. I think when you look at uh, that pairing, That's a a good starting point uh, for this defense to go along with that defensive front.
4: My last point is, is there a cause for concern with the Eagles' run defense? It seems to be a big sentiment out there following the performance by Damian Pierce, the outstanding rookie for the Houston Texans, who had a season-high, career-high 139 yards, averaging 5.1 yards per carry in that Thursday night game. Well, when you look at the scoreboard at the end of the day, Fran, what did the Texans get points wise 17 points okay and just three in the second half after it was tied at halftime okay in some ways you could say Texans gave the Eagles the biggest test of the season but still not able to match them point for point there in the second half when it mattered Texans quarterback Davis Mills he finished with just 15 more passing yards than Pierce had rushing yards so we all talk about the loss of Jordan Davis he's on injured reserve now But the Eagles, to Jonathan Gann's credit, made adjustments throughout the course of the game. We saw Javon Hargrave go to the nose, especially in the second half, and he finished with three sacks. And that's a position that he's comfortable with from his time in Pittsburgh. Uh, But then you had this stat. We, We talked about all the, you know, it seemed like the Texans had a bunch of big explosive rushing plays. But I think at the end of the day, it was, what, three? Of 10 yards or more
2: yeah and that's the thing is the, the definition of what an explosive run is is different for offense as, as opposed to or I should say uh different for run game than pass game but I think when you look at oh man like did they get gashed uh, on the run yeah like it, it didn't feel good on Thursday night watching right but when you're the, when going back and watching the film it's what Greg and I said uh, the other night is that you didn't feel when you're watching the tape that oh man like the Eagles just can't stop the run right now it was a lot of four five sixes they were hitting a lot of like singles and doubles as opposed to uh, triples and certainly the home run now they hit the 36 yarder early in the game. That was a big it was the one. second drive. There was a big one. You had two missed tackles on that play at the second level. That should have been stopped for six, and they went an extra 30. So that, that, those are the things you don't want to happen. But I think when you look at it, um, Look, this is, number one, Damian Pierce is a tough guy to get to the ground, uh, and then number two, uh, they did some creative things in terms of the way that they lined up formationally and attacked different gaps and different areas uh, of the field. I thought that uh, you know helped create some space for that running game to go. So I think now could Washington do some of those same things certainly, but I think the Eagles pro- probably going to be a little bit more prepared or uh, for for some of those formations and see what uh, exactly happens from that. But I, I think ultimately. Um, yeah, I'm not. I don't think that this is going to be like this huge Achilles heel. I did think it was funny though. You know, just since the Eagles did not play on Sunday, just taking in some of the action uh, and watching that Jets Bills game and some of the social media reaction to that game. Everyone's freaking out about, oh, well, the, the Bills can't stop the run. The Jets have figured it out. The Jets have figured it out. And it's like, yeah, like it's uh, you're saying a lot of the same things about these teams. No team is perfect. You're always going to have different areas uh, that you can improve. And uh, the Bills are, are viewed as certainly a, a Super Bowl contender, a Super Bowl favorite. And they're, they're asking some of those same questions
4: up in Buffalo. I mean, but look how good the pass defense has been for the Eagles. Yeah. And that's the most important thing that you want to see here, especially considering – that's the biggest thing for me, especially considering – that most of the games have been well decided in the second half and teams have to throw the football. You know, you go back to that week 3 game against the Commanders, the Eagles were up 24 nothing in the fourth quarter. So, the run game is moot at that point. You don't need to worry about it. So, if the Eagles do jump out to a big lead, we're not going to be talking on Tuesday morning or you with Ike and Ella on the post-game show presented by Rico about the run defense, it's going to be another big lead, and the Eagles were able to uh, take command, so to speak, uh, using the pun against Washington here. Uh, But you know, you mentioned earlier Washington has struggled to run the football. Twenty-first in the league offensively. You know, Antonio Gibson is seventeenth in the league according to Football Outsiders in success rate. Miles Sanders, for comparison, is third this season. And rookie uh, Brian Robinson is still acclimated, getting acclimated to the league. He obviously missed the first four games uh, after being shot and didn't play in that first matchup with the Commanders. Yeah. But you know, he's still trying to find his way. So to me, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see. If the Eagles and again, it's going to be a point of emphasis, I feel like, for the coaching staff and the players this week. But, you know, when you have such a a unit that's been very good against the pass and okay, you have you, you give up some yards against the run. At the end of the day, when this offense is the Eagles offense is scoring 20 plus points per game every game this season you're going to be fine with them getting their singles and doubles as long as you're not giving up those explosive The Eagles players.
2: were up by two scores on Thursday night, two Thursday nights ago, or last Thursday, whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. last Thursday night against Houston. By the time they it. yeah, listen, yeah George, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> last Thursday night, and um, there was a stretch where Houston ran it eight or nine times in a row. And it's like... Yeah, like you're, they're getting yards. They are efficient plays, but at the end of the day, like if if that's the way you're going to move the ball, like all right, well we will live that way. Yeah. Uh, defense. Like you and I have talked about that before. Um, just to, to your point about the pass defense, there was a stat um, from John Genuard from the uh, the Eagles PR department. Uh, the Eagles defense has held opponents to less than 250 yards passing and an 85.0 passer rating in each of the first eight games this season. Wow. The last time Philly's defense did that. 1985 under Marion Campbell. No Jim Johnson defense ever did that. No Buddy Ryan defense ever Jeez. did that. No Jim Schwartz defense ever did that. So um, just a really impressive start uh, to the season for this Eagles defense, and uh, you know, kind of hope to, to, to keep that going. Obviously, and it's just impressive to do that in today's game. I mean, that is uh, insane. But in
4: today's game and. You have comfortable leads in every game. You're expecting when you know teams to, to throw, throw the football. Yep. Usually, you th- okay. They're going to get their garbage time yards. No, that hasn't been the case.
2: And it's not even like a, that's not like a completion percentage stat. Those those are volume numbers. That's a 250 passing yards. Yeah. Period. Well, that's the thing. Terry McLaren is the only player in the in uh, so far on the Eagles schedule that has had more than 100 yards receiving. Really? Against the Eagles. I guess he's the only yeah. 100-yard receiver that the Eagles have allowed so far. I, there's only a couple teams, I think, that can say that they've only given up uh, one 100-yard pass catcher. Uh, but uh, McLaurin, that's the thing. I remember when going back to the box score uh, after that game in week three, Saying, like Terry McLaurin had 103 yards. It didn't pass game? like, like well, that was the quietest 100 yard performance, uh, I can ever remember. A lot of it did happen late, but um, but yeah, that's it's a good defense right now. And we we said that last week, um, when you're talking about like all right, well, the, the cornerbacks are playing really well, the, the numbers are really good. The middle of the field defense and pass game wise, best in the NFL, like by a wide, wide margin. They're giving up the the lowest uh, passer rating, lowest completion percentage between the hashes. And you look at the pass rush numbers, like it's just like, yeah, like. Everything everything looks good uh, from that standpoint and what you want in today's NFL. We'll see you back. Good stuff, as always, here for 3 and Out. We'll be back next week uh, after the Eagles uh, play the Washington Commanders. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. it's right, so a good stuff like I said there with CMAC as we welcome in now Ben Fennel for some chalk talk and Ben uh, the, the hay for Eagles game plan is in the barn here for this week but we will go through some of the things that uh, we we hit on in the show and we could start just with Jalen Hur- Hurts and his performance against the Houston Texans uh, G- Greg and I talked about it earlier this week uh, talked about it a little bit with CMAC and just the offensive performance as a whole but uh, just a very efficient workman like performance for Jalen last Thursday night.
5: Yeah I thought they put together some really good drives and uh, in particular I thought he handled some of those uh, pressure looks and pressure situations against that Texans defense very well Um, and I thought Nick Sirianni incorporated some new uh, schematic elements coming off of that bye week uh, you know before the Steelers game uh, essentially but it was just a fun uh, little two games in five days and uh, to come out with two wins there one on the road on a short week I mean no excuses for an ugly win there and that's how it looks on the road in the NFL.
2: You know, we, Me, you, and C-Mac, we, t- we did that show going into the bye week about like the 10 uh, metrics that helped tell the story of the, the undefeated start for the Eagles, and one of the things we talked about was, yeah, like they were at the bottom of the league in pre-snap motion, but they were also very efficient when they did use motion, and did that mean that they were going to try and use more of it coming out? And you were all over this on Friday morning uh, after that Thursday night win was the amount of motion that Nick Sirianni and the Eagles offensive staff utilized against the Texans, and uh, they, they it was the, the highest percentage right that they used since the staff has been here
5: yeah an individual game usage was around 60 percent they've been the second lowest in the league this year the lowest in the NFL under the Sirianni era and you know you can look at the motion the shifts and you know the philosophy of avoiding all extremes this is the instance where you have to come off of that hmm. and I think self-scouting to the bye week was important you look at the Houston game I mean this is a team that's the second lowest under center this season second lowest under center under Sirianni Look at the Houston game, eight plays in pistol, 14 plays under center, 40 in the shotgun. Hmm. So just diversifying the offensive portfolio and giving opponents more things to prepare for and to scout for down the stretch of the season, adding more, you know, essentially meals we can make out of this kitchen and just giving uh, defenses and opponents more to think about. That's the name of the game in the NFL. Self-scouting, figure out where are you lacking, and uh, you know, try to turn the tides. That's a good point.
2: We, Greg and I, when we talked about the the uh, amount of times they ran that zone counter play on Thursday night against Houston, I didn't even think about, oh yeah, that's because the, they've been rarely under center, and that's a pure under center run. You're not running that uh, he from turned the gun. his back
5: on play action boot, which you don't see very often as well, because yeah. you have to be under center traditionally to do that, sure. or in the pistol, which the pistol gives some downhill run action, so you can still turn your back on play action. So I like to see just more schematic elements worked in there. And as Sirianni says, you know, smart men, avoid all extremes. You don't want to be first or last in anything. You're right in the middle of the pack. It gives a lot to uh, think about for opponents.
2: Uh, And one thing that you you brought up watching the the Washington defense was um, what they did this past week against Minnesota, a number of first-down blitzes that often were the same blitz over and over, and that was what we ended up running with with Greg Cosell for his breakdown.
5: Yeah, and I really like that scheme from the Washington football team and the Washington Commanders to attack Minnesota's first-down run offense and then you know, eventually attack their first-down play-action offense. So you saw some good plays in the backfield, getting speed with defensive backs and slot uh, corners into the backfield on early downs. You're confining the pocket. You're attacking blocking schemes from a post-snap uh, situation. And I love just trying to put offenses behind the sticks by being aggressive on first down. If you're sitting there waiting for a third and medium long opportunity to be aggressive, those opportunities don't always come against good football teams. So the Vikings, a good early down run team, just like the Eagles. Great idea to try to attack them, force them into a second and long, and throw them off schedule right out the gates from first down. So I love first down run blitzes across the NFL. Washington deployed the same blitz multiple times, had a couple run stuffs, and walked right into a play-action sack as well because, you know, you're allowed to throw the ball on first down, too.
2: Yeah, believe it or not. You know what's funny is that uh, and you and I have kind of had this conversation when we were putting the show together this week with the Eagles game plan was that, you know, I think a lot of people will look at this part of the Eagles schedule, look at the last couple weeks and say, there's just not a lot of juice through, through this game. There's not a lot of excitement. Uh, the opponent's not great. Look at their record. But everybody on that side, they're doing everything they can to beat the Eagles this week, right? They're going to get opponents' best shot each and every week, and so sometimes the goal of what we want to talk about is not like, oh, well, this is what the opposing defense or the opposing offense does really, really well. You often, you often have to structure this conversation. What are they going to do this week to try and beat the Eagles? You know, if you look at Houston, that is a downhill run team that's had some success with Damian Pierce getting downhill. We talked about that a week ago, and that's what they tried to do against the Eagles, right? And they had some success. Obviously, they ran for over 130 yards. When you look at the Washington Commanders, you say, all right, well, uh, offensively, they're probably not going to be like straight downhill but they can mix things up this is these are the things they're going to try and do and again going back to the, that point about the Washington's first down blitzes yeah, like oh, the, the, this Eagles offense is good in every category right now for the most part, but especially on first down, if you want any hope to get them behind the sticks, you have to do things to create negative plays, and I think that was a, a brilliant idea from your standpoint of just pointing out some of these first down blitzes.
5: Yeah, and I don't like that narrative. I think that's a loser mentality to look at our opponents without much juice. This Washington team is exciting. Just came off a three-game win streak, went toe-to-toe with the Vikings with a 10-point lead and should have won that game. That's a dominant defensive front. Really good secondary. Good Corners out there. This is a fun matchup, and I'm excited for this game on Monday Night Football, NFC East battle. And if you look at this team, what do they? four and five that put him in first place in the NFC South right now so Mm. obviously a little bit of a victim of circumstance being in a tough NFC East this is a fun team this is a a team that's rolling and they're getting healthy and the old lines uh getting put back together and Heineke's giving a little bit of life and juice and they have some weapons on offense that Greg Cosell went through on matchup on a game plan this week with McLaurin and Curtis Samuel yep it's a fun team to dive into
2: yeah, and then when you go over
5: uh, real quickly before we move over to the other side like of the football, as I like to say, they have millionaires too. Even yes. the Texans, you know, yeah. obviously the win total isn't where they want it. They have millionaires on both sides of the ball. They have exciting players. They have you know world class athletes. You know that's such loser mentality to look at your opponents in such a you know a downward condescending tone. Hmm. You know to go on the road in the NFL is tough business. I think Eagles fans are a little disappointed on Thursday with the performance, saying, "Well, oh, we went to Houston and it looked like that." That's how it looks on the road. It is tough to win on the road and on a short, week, on a short week and a team that wants to, you know, upset, you know, the undefeated team. You know, that's, that's business in the NFL. And I think uh, don't ever apologize for tough wins on the road. Make sure you're always respecting the opponent.
2: So going into, uh, into this show, we talked with uh, Ike Reese beforehand. and I was like, Ike, what is it that gives you a lot of excitement? What are you juiced about? Uh, and he was like, you know, I just want to talk about C.J. Gardner Johnson and his usage. It feels like he's always like Johnny on the spot, always in the right position. And uh, we found a play that I felt like kind of encapsulated the point that he wanted to make.
5: Yeah, because I feel like out in the Saints, he played lower as a slot defender, so yep. he's in a lot more man coverage in that Dennis Allen scheme where they played tons of man, tons of cover one. Now he's a back-end safety, you know, in a 80% capacity. When he is low, he's often blitzing or a middle hole player. But he's used, uh, you know, as a back-end eyes in the backfield ball hawking center fielder and I think the ball has found him on several occasions occasions of five interceptions so far but just to have the fluidity and his athleticism with the ball hawking traits as a back-end safety those are things uh, that really click together so I think those opportunities you wouldn't see as much in New Orleans as he's the one on the underneath man coverage possibly forcing those tip balls up to those back-end players uh, in New Orleans.
2: Yeah, and again, it almost like uh, paints the picture of <clears throat> man coverage is, is tough to play. It's tough to play man coverage in the NFL. It's very tough to create turnovers when you're playing in man-to-man coverage because your eyes are going to be so worried about the, the guy that you're defending and not necessarily on the football or on the quarterback, and so uh, I feel like that was a, a good way to p- kind of paint that picture for our audience. Uh, you already mentioned the playmakers here with Washington, You know, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. Um, th- this is a group that you do have to worry about. If they're able to give Heineke time, uh, these guys can make some big plays for them.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Terry McLaurin's a heck of a receiver out there. He get himself open in all three levels. Uh, of the defense, and I like the way they deploy their three running backs. Brian Robinson's the downhill bruiser, kind of the cloud of dust guy, and then they have Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson, who are both hybrid receiver running back types that they're going to say, you know what, let's give you some eye candy, some misdirection. There's a lot of RPOs, a lot of pre-snap motion, uh, a lot of option football. We saw a triple option two weeks ago for a big chunk run, I believe against Indianapolis, wherever they play it out there. So they have a lot of different styles in how they can run. Brian Robinson, the tone setter, then a lot of misdirection with some of their juicy backs. And then, you know, at any point, Taylor Heineke can take off and run. I mean, go look at the spin movie put on, you know, Eric Kendricks in the alley last week. This guy's got some juice. He's got that, as everybody likes to say, a little bit of Favre gunslinger out there. He's going to keep his team in it. Likely to keep the other team in it too. You know that's what you get from the Brett Favre types. But he's a fun player, and this team's rallying and playing for him. Yeah. This offensive line's getting healthy as well too. So some of those young guys they had a thrust in the lineup are now kind of getting back to the bench. And um, you know, this is a tough team. And I think that Vikings game on Sunday really showed that. And
2: that offensive line has continued to be an issue for them, both pass game and run game. And that's forced them to kind of change the approach a little bit from a run game standpoint, where they're going to try and mess with you mentally. You're going to get a lot of the pre-snap motions. You're going to get a lot of the the formation variation, moving Samuel around. All right, now we're going to see some triple option football incorporated here. Just try and see, can we manufacture some chunk plays on the ground? Because that's something they haven't been able to do with consistency so far this year.
5: Yeah, and it's a good idea. Make the defense wrong. So you're going to see a lot of fast motion to the bubble, and you're just keying that linebacker. If the linebacker moves to the bubble, we're handing it off. If he stays still, we're going to throw it to the bubble. So I think they know they're a little bit down talent-wise. That's why you do some of these schematic elements to kind of even the tides and to kind of balance the uh, the talent deficiencies. I think Washington still wants to get better in some spots, um, but they're still creating some chunk yards because of that. It's just it's smart offensive design.
2: I know you've pulled a lot of numbers going into this matchup, getting ready for Eagles game plan, getting ready for this podcast. Is there one that uh, stands out most to you? It's like, you know, this one is, uh, is really interesting going
5: into the Yeah, game. there's a million. I I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, his running ability this year is very interesting to dive into. He has 49 design quarterback runs. That's only second to Lamar Jackson's 51. But when you look into the numbers just in the box score, Lamar Jackson's way more efficient, has 400-something rushing yards. Hurts has a little over 100. Lamar's averaging almost nine yards a carry. Hurts right around three. So what am I getting at? When does Hurts run? Short yardage, QB QB sneaks, red zone, leads the NFL in quarterback rushing touchdowns with five. So I love the way they're using it as well. Um, And it's not just a, you know, calling it to call it. And that's the foundation of first down offense in Philadelphia. It's very deliberate when they call the Jalen Hurts runs. And I really appreciate that. In a collective sense, going one step further with that red zone offense and having so many different ways to beat you. Last year, this year combined, the Nick Sirianni era, second in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage, only trailing Tennessee, of uh, 59 touchdowns, but they have the most rushing touchdowns. Hmm. So I love the no-nonsense approach and the multiple ways they can beat you, whether it's quarterback rushing, the stable of backs, receivers, RPO game, misdirection, cool shifts in motion. You see everything down in the red zone. So those Eagles start getting inside the 10 and the 5, Pay attention to everything they're doing because it's fun on a weekly basis.
2: Yeah, and they'll be going up against a defense that is is really violent and really competitive. And I think that shows up in a number of different ways. Number one, I mean, from a personnel standpoint, uh, you're watching this, watch this group, and there are really explosive hits almost on a weekly basis. The guys up front, Payne, Allen, they'll deliver huge hits on the quarterback. John Bostic had a couple of like, oh, you sit up in your chair kind of plays uh, this past week against Minnesota as you're going through the tape. Cameron Curl had a couple of really good sticks. Uh, so th- this is a group that will hit you and play. Played downhill with a lot of violence and urgency. But then also, you look at the numbers, and you're like, all right, well, uh, this this is a team, a defensive line, that is first in quarterback hit percentage. They get after you, and that's without Chase Young. And Chase Young uh, expected to potentially make his return on Monday. And then also, in the secondary, they are number one in contested target percentage. And so they are going to do, to match you at the catch point. They are going to try and contest any throws throw, uh, put in that direction. So I think when you look at this group, yeah, they, they've given up a lot of big plays this year. They've had a lot of busted cover. And their zone concepts. Uh, they moved on from William Jackson. I think we talked about that last segment with C-Mac. I think that was uh, one of the things that you know that was on the on the surface there with Jackson it was a lot of the, the mental bus. I don't think that that has been as apparent with him out of the lineup. And I think when you look at this corner tandem, you look at that defensive front, the linebackers you can get after, but Bostic and Jameen Davis are really big, explosive athletes and have that ability to create some big plays and create some negative plays for that unit. And so that's something certainly not to to turn away from.
5: Yeah, that's a really good defensive team. And their front is dominant. They can win a bunch of different ways. Their back end likes to challenge you. Cam Curl is a physical safety that will come downhill as a top-down player and stick any running back in this league. Just been that middle-of-the-field kind of continuity and just you know getting – you know, consistent there. Obviously, they like the uh, quarterbacking of Cole Holcomb and, you know, his IQ. And then they just find ways to tap into the speed, length, and athleticism of Jameen Davis and Bostic types out there. Just need to be a little bit more consistent. So I think the Eagles are still going to have their way kind of attacking that second level. But you just want to stay out of third and mediums and longs because De'Ron Payne, Jonathan Allen, those two are dominant. I mean, Jonathan Allen leads the NFL right now and QB pressures from an interior alignment. And Duran Payne's sixth. Mm. So those two teammates in the top six of interior rushers, that's uh that's going to be heavy for any opponent.
2: Yeah, and that's why honestly, when we go into our matchups that matter for me, it's the Isaac Sayamalu versus Deron Payne. Usually, you'll see Payne lined up on the offensive right side. You'll see Allen lined up on the offensive left side. They'll move around a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, that is typically the the alignment. I think Sayamalu versus Payne, I think is one of the bigger matchups to watch. Because if Washington's going to win this game, I think it's going to be on the heels of that defensive front. And Payne, uh, to me, like we we've always talked about, you know, juxtaposing Payne and Allen together. I think Allen is more steady in terms of his quality level of play and Payne is a little bit more of a roller coaster. But at his best, he's one of the top you know, the defensive disruptors in football.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very worried about those inside matchups against Dickerson, Sayomalu, Kelsey. I am excited for the Malata against Montez Sweat. That's a great matchup for Malata. Those are the tall, long, right. huge torso types that Malata typically can get his hands on and control and dominate. Saw last week the Jerry Hughes types, the ones that want to play under the 6'8 guy struggles with those, just some body type differences. But I'm excited to see um, our linebackers, Kaiser White, T.J. Edwards, playing exceptionally well this year, fast-flow linebackers against that Washington offense that we had talked about. They're going to be left unblocked quite a bit, maybe more than they've ever seen all season. So it's going to be a lot of eye candy, a lot of processing between the ears to slow them down. We know they can destroy blocks and be fast flow. Well, now they're going to see some options, some RPO. You're going to see some jet sweeps to maybe some creative players, not just receiver running backs. Might give a jet sweep to Armani Rogers, rookie out of Ohio, former quarterback. Logan Thomas does some creative stuff as well in there. Might see some wildcat snaps. So even though um, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White may be unblocked, they're going to try to slow them down and make them think out there.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the things to watch, especially early on uh, in this game, especially if they're, if they're able to keep it close, Washington, and, and further uh, extend this out, the, the run game, and trying to mess with those linebackers' eyes, uh, that will be a big matchup to watch in this game. Well, Ben, uh, good stuff. We'll be back later this week, to, or later next week, to break this game down. Make sure you check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennel, you got Dane Brugler and Ross Tucker, and a, a litany of guests every single week. Make sure you go find that wherever podcast can be found. Again, that's the Journey to the Draft the draft podcast great stuff from Ben who you can follow on Twitter just like I do at Ben underscore NFL and while you're at it I'm at Eagles XO's that's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media that is one way to support the show but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify leave us a rating leave us a comment appreciate everybody that has done that in recent weeks and we've got one uh, to just mention here today longtime friend of the show Rich Bobby left a five-star review saying this show is still the best listening to Eagle Eye in the Sky and watching Eagles game plan every week helps me enjoy the games even more and oh look Jordan Davis is one gapping you don't see that every week well where else would I learn that Rich thanks so much for the comment thanks so much for the five-star rating again appreciate everybody that has gone on and done that because what it does is it helps us move up the rankings for other people that are looking for Eagles podcasts and again just makes it more visible and if you have a question well help us help you we you leave that question in the comment box that's going to boost up up boost us up the rankings and we can also answer your question here on the show great stuff there from Rich Bobby now let's get to our final segment here it's our faux fo. Focus segment. We're gonna welcome in Mark Bullock to talk through this, Washington Commanders. What's this matchup look like from the other side?
1: It's time to find out in Faux Focus.
2: Alright, so here this week for Faux Focus, a guy that's been on the show before. I want to welcome him back, Mark Bullock. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. Check out his substack, markbullock.substack.com. Mark, thanks for joining us once again here for the uh, Eagle Eye on the Sky podcast.
3: Of course. Thank you for having me.
2: So let's go. First question. And I'll ask you to put on your Scott Turner hat. You're the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator. I still get tripped up on Commanders. I was, I had gotten so <laughs> used to football team. Uh, and then Commanders still trips me up every once in a while. What is the biggest strength for this team going into this game on offense? What gives you confidence in your ability to win this game on Monday night?
3: Um, I, I mean, if I'm honest, I don't have a, a great deal of confidence in their ability to win this game. But um. Uh, the offense has really been struggling the last few weeks. And and, and yes, they had a, a three game winning streak and they nearly beat the Vikings to make it a four game winning streak. Um, But the offense has really struggled in all of those games. And it's, it's really been a case of the defense has held them in the game and, and they, they've managed to put a drive together towards the end of the game and maybe some Heineken magic in the fourth quarter Um, ha, has won them some games. So um, they, the offense has been struggling um, and, and, They've had some issues up front with protection. Uh, they've had revolving pieces on the offensive line. Um, you know, Chase Rudier, they're starting centers out for the year where Schweitzer is out. Um, Sam Cosme has his hand in a cast right now. So they've got a lot of missing pieces up front, um, and they've got a lot of injuries across the board, And like rookie Jahan Dotson, who has had, was having a great start to the year. Um, he's missed the last few games with a hamstring injury. So it's tough to say there's really a a strength of the offense right now they've been struggling that badly but I I think even with the guys they have missing if if you're pointing to a a real strength something that can hurt any team is the amount of weapons that they do have and um, obviously Terry McLaurin is is a known threat at this point and, and he's almost stepped up a little bit the last few weeks where we're starting to see that kind of that classic number one receiver mentality of, you know, get me the ball in those key situations, which hasn't really been what he's been about. Um, but he he's sort of start, starting to take over games and key points, which is good. Um, Curtis Samuel is a terrific second option and a very versatile threat that can take some carries out the backfield and, and run some different routes from different spots and um, is, is a threat in the open field. And Antonio Gibson, since Brian Robinson's come back, he's, he's kind of thrived in this slightly shifted role where he's not carrying the load and he's not carrying the ball 20 to 30 times a game. He's, he's getting maybe 10 carries a game and, and maybe five or 10 catches as well. And then he's moving around a little bit more and, and making some more catches in space and, and that kind of thing. So they have the weapons to hurt anyone in, if they can, if they can get those guys to click and, and Heineke can get hot for a, a few drives. Um, They have the weapons in, in those three that, that can really hurt just about anyone.
2: Yeah, and that's why you know for this week for Eagles game plan we talked about it earlier with Ben. We really kind of honed in on uh, looking at Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. I mentioned the stat earlier in the show. The McLaurin is the only player to post 100 yards receiving on this Eagles defense all season long and he did it back uh, in week 3. Uh, big picture question and obviously this is one that will spin forward into the offseason most likely here Mark is when you look at this offense, you know, wholesale is the bigger issue the protection, or is the bigger issue uh, the quarterback at this point? I mean, that's that's going to be the big question hanging over this team over the next few months, I would guess.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think the bigger issue overall is the quarterback. Um, I, I think the protection hasn't been great, for sure. No. Um, but I think you can put a lot of that down to the fact that they've very rarely been able to play the same five linemen, and obviously their best five linemen with you know Chase Ruday being out, Cosme being out, with Schweitzer, and um, they've been rotating right guards and and centers and and all of this, so that they've not been able to have a settled unit. So I, I think, should they be able to get a settled unit, John Matsko is one of the better offensive line coaches in the in the league, and and they they he has some pretty good credit in the bank. So I, I trust that the offensive line, once they get some bodies healthy consistently, I think will come good in time. Um, the quarterback spot is a bit much bigger question mark. I think we know what Taylor High He is at this point. Um, and he's a good backup, but that's it. And I think we largely know what Carson Wentz is at this point. So, um, yeah, I think for me, quarterback is the bigger issue.
2: Yeah, it's going to be, like I said, I think it'll be a big discussion point for this team, uh, certainly going into the offseason. Now let's go to the other side of the football. You put on your Jack Del Rio hat as the defensive coordinator for Washington. What's the biggest strength on defense going into this game? What would give you the most confidence in your ability to win on Monday?
3: Uh, Undoubtedly for me, it's the defensive line. um, And and obviously that's kind of been bigged up in Washington for the past few years with the, the four first round picks on the defensive line and Jonathan on Payne on the inside, and Montez Sweat and and possibly Chase Young on the outside. Um, and last year didn't quite go to plan for them. They they kind of just put those four guys out there and said, "You guys go do your work." And and there was no real structure. This year, they're playing a lot more in sync. They're playing a lot more together, and um, and they they're structured in that they're rushing together on on stunts and stuff where you know they're still keeping the quarterback contained in the pocket, but able to generate. A, a real push together and, and and close that pocket in around the quarterback um, rather than last year. It was like Chase Young and Daron and Payne were both rushing in the same gap and and then they'd get washed out and there'd be a huge hole on the right side of the line or something like that. So um, that defensive line for me is the big strength. Um, and, and they've really started to take a step forward. And because they're working so well together, they're, they're shutting down run games. Um, they've been pretty consistent on that, although they're, there's some vulnerability to certain schemes on the edge, but um, in general, they're shutting down run games and the pass rush from certainly Jonathan Allen. He's, he's very, his rush moves this year and, and he's doing fantastically well. d'ron Payne stepped up and, and Monte sweat is is playing well as well. So um, I, I think for any chance for Washington to really win this game is going to be that defensive line. And particularly those top three guys to, um, to kind of take over the game and, and and really stop the Eagles from doing much on offense.
2: Full disclosure, we're shooting this uh, middle of the day on Wednesday. What is your expectation for Chase Young come Monday night? Whether he makes his debut or not, do you feel like he'll play uh, a full gamut of snaps? Do you feel like he's going to be on a little bit of a pitch count in his debut? What, What are you expecting there from the former number two pick?
3: I think if he were to play, it would be on a sort of pitch count and probably a, a quite a low one. Um, it, it, they're still, they've been overly, not overly cautious, but they are trying to be as cautious as they possibly can be with his injury. I think it was a more significant injury than was made out at the time. And, and obviously an ACL's injury is a big injury, but I think there was some other damage in the knee. And, and so it's taken him a little bit longer than anticipated for him to get back. Um, and, and so because of that, they are being more cautious. So, um, they activated him off of the pup list um last week, which started his twenty one day clock. Before they have to either play him or put him on IR for the rest of the year, um and so they decided not playing him last week. Um, I I potentially will see how he comes up out of the first few days of practice this week. Um, Washington are having a walk through on today, day of recording, and um, they'll start practicing on Thursday and then do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rather than Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So um, we'll see how he does out of those. Um, But I think if he does play, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of held him back. But if he does play, he would be on a pitch camp, I would think.
2: You know, we talked a little bit on the show about Benjamin St. Juice, the the corner for Washington, who uh, slid outside in that week three game and really hasn't relented uh, that spot. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from St. Juice. Is that something that you've seen as well from the tape? Or are we a little bit off base? Like I was kind of thinking about this this way. If you were to, you know, if we're going to go out, we're going to play pickup football and I'm selecting players from this uh, Washington defense. as for, in terms of who's playing right now, I think I would take Payne and Allen in some order, one and two. I could probably be convinced to take St. Juice number three. That's kind of what I've seen from him uh, at this point. Am Am I completely off on that?
3: Uh, I probably wouldn't have him that high myself. I, I think he's had some really nice flashes. Um, he's a he's a, still quite a young corner. Obviously, it's his second year, but sure. he didn't miss most of last year with with a concussion. So, mm. in terms of actual snaps, it's still kind of his rookie year. Yeah. Um, but and I think that kind of shows up at times. You'll you'll see maybe three or four snaps where he looks like there's there's this really good corner, real long corner, real good feet, really quick can jam guys at the line of scrimmage, can stick with them down the field and, and uh, does a really good job uh, breaking up passes um, both in and out of phase. So there's some real good flashes from him, but there's also a fair few of the plays that haven't quite gone noticed because of the defensive line being able to get pressure Hmm. where, he will miss a jam and, and suddenly the guy will be gone by him or he won't play the right leverage. Or if he's playing off coverage, he doesn't quite have the right technique and, and he right. makes the wrong read and lets guys go. So um, I think there is still a, a fair bit of development to do from him, but last week was probably his most encouraging week. Um, they, they let him man up against Justin Jefferson quite a lot. And, and obviously Jefferson had a big game. He had a hundred yards, but uh, not all of that was against St. Just and, and yep. St. Just, Held his own, uh, and you know there were the the touchdown he was very very close to him. He, he had pretty good coverage. He just got caught peeking back for the ball when when he probably should have just been playing the hands. Um, and, and there was a few plays like that where he was real close to Jefferson and just got caught, you know, peeking for the ball or not looking for the ball when he should have been, or um maybe a little bit extra grabby. He had that pick six at the end of the game that got wiped off because he he just held on to the shoulder pad. So, um. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think going forward, if he can fulfill that potential, he can become a very good cornerback and and maybe be that kind of third guy you'd pick on the flag football team. But um, for me, he's not quite there yet, but certainly there's potential.
2: Yeah, I was interested just to ask you about him because obviously you watch this team a lot closer on a week-to-week basis uh, than I do, so I was interested to kind of get your thoughts on him as a young corner. Uh, Let's now go to uh, the next question here. If you're Ron Rivera, you're the head coach of this team, what's the biggest concern going into Monday night?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think the the way that Washington has been playing the last few weeks, it's been the offense comes out the gates really slow and goes three and out and punts, and the defense has to kind of try to keep them in the game for until sort of the third or fourth quarter when Taylor Heineke can s- sort of scramble around and make an off-script play, and suddenly they get sparked into life and score some points. Um, so for me, I, I think Rivera's biggest concern will be that the Eagles – might might be able to kind of break that that dam down a little bit before um, before the offense is able to to spark into life and and if if the Eagles are able to open the floodgates on de- on Washington's defense early, then the the offense hasn't shown any ability over the last sort of four or five weeks to to catch up. So um, I, I think the biggest concern will be that the Eagles are a very good team, certainly offensively, and and they can wear defenses down very quickly with. How well they can run the ball and the different ways that we, in which they can run the ball, um, and obviously their their passing game is is a threat and they can be explosive. But if they can wear Washington down early, then um, I, I don't think the, the offense is good enough right now to be able to come back into the game. So I think that would be my biggest concern is that they're not able to keep the Eagles in check and, and and give the offense enough ch- enough time to get into it. And then the last
2: question for you, Mark. Most pivotal matchup. What's a one-on-one battle that you think could determine the outcome of this game on Monday Night Football?
3: I, I think for me the the kind of the old saying the battle is won in the trenches kind of rings true here. Um obviously that that last game, the the first matchup between these two teams, the Eagles had nine sacks. Um and, and not all, all of those were on the offensive line, but um Carson Wentz was responsible for a fair few of those, and there was some suspect play calling that didn't Quite get people open at the right time, um, and so, but there w- was still some issues with the offensive line and protection. So I think if that Eagles D line can can dominate the way they did in that first game, um, that would be a huge issue for Washington, especially given that their, their offensive line is in a worse state now than it was back then. So yeah. if 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 that D line can take over the game, then I, I don't really see any way the offense can can handle that. Yeah, and again,
2: when you have a nine-sack performance, that can quickly derail everything you're trying to do from an offensive standpoint. And so uh, if you have that kind of repeat performance, uh, that will be tough sledding for the Washington Commanders on Monday night at Lincoln Financial Field. Mark, thanks so much once again for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Of
3: course. Thank you for having me.
2: Great stuff there from Mark Bullock, and we're going to close this out with one final clip from our Eagles game plan show. These are some segments that we couldn't get in. We were left on the cutting room floor due to time constraints. Great analysis from John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, of course, Greg Cosells that, again, couldn't squeeze it into the 30-minute show, but I kept it right here for you.
6: All right, we've seen this year when defenses blitz Jalen Hurts, it's kind of a mixed bag. Washington, eh, you presume they're gonna come after him again. How about the job Jalen did against the Blitz in Houston? Well, guys,
7: I think he handles the blitz
6: really well. Teams are gonna blitz
7: him, but When they start to blitz him, you got to understand there's a weakness somewhere when you're sending extra people to get at Jalen Hurts, and he can exploit that. He can take advantage of the fact that you're sending extra people at him and you've got some one-on-one situations on the back end.
0: Yeah, it really becomes a chess match between Jalen, Shane Steichen, and whatever defensive coordinator he's going up against. You think back to that first Washington game, they started off blitzing him early in that first quarter and has a success against Jalen, but for whatever reason whether it's because he decided to take off on a third down and converted a first down, it scared Jack Del Rio out of sending extra pressure and they got away from it and you saw in that second quarter, you give Jalen time to sit back there and throw the ball, he can eat you up. The 24 points in that second quarter may have scared the Washington defense away from blitzing as much, but I expect in this game that because they had success with it early, they may come out with the intention of doing it again early and as usual Jalen will have to show that he can beat the blitz whether it's with his legs or with his mind and his arm understanding where they're coming from and where the weakness is in that defense and exploiting it that's what usually gets defensive coordinators out of blitzing you
7: is when you beat it a little bit of a different structure in their secondary now though St. Juice on that left cornerback spot he's playing really well Cam Curl He's really an excellent player on the back end, and he's a safety, but you'll see him down in the box a lot. The back end of their defense, in my mind, has gotten a little bit better. So, yeah, they're going to bring people after Jalen Hurts, but they have to be smart, the Eagles do, on the back end of making sure that the ball gets to where it needs to go.
6: But Washington's going to have to account for Dallas Goddard. He's coming off his fourth 100-yard game, and he is consistently now week in and week out showing he's probably the best tight end in the NFC now. How impressive has he been? He's been very impressive and obviously the guys on the outside are going to get a lot of attention.
0: A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith and rightfully so. They're explosive players themselves. But this is where you have the complimentary football at in the passing game. When Dallas Goddard is garnering all the attention they're going to get one-on-one situations on the outside. Conversely, if you decide to try to take away number 11 and number 6 then number 80 is going to be able to work the middle of the field. You saw that last week against Houston. They play that Tampa 2 defense. That's perfect for a tight end to either eat up the middle of the defense or eat up the area behind the corner in front of the safety with seven routes and curl routes. Dallas Goddard has proven this year he should be mentioned in the class with the Travis Kelseys and the George Kittles as the best tight ends in all of football.
7: I love the attitude of this defense. It's kind of just the DNA of this defense that they want to create turnovers. They look to intercept the ball. They're not looking to just play defense on a guy, bat the ball down. They're looking to take the ball away. They do this in practice every day. They're punching the balls out. They're making sure that they get the interception. This is a defense that's concentrating on getting the football back, turning the ball around to their offense. And It served them really well. That's
6: why they're leading the NFL in the giveaway takeaway category. And C.J. said, there's lots of plates and everybody's going to eat. He's going to eat because everybody else is eating as well. Well, I was just going to say, when you're playing defense as well as this unit is playing right now,
0: they, they have meetings every week trying to figure out who's going to be the guy <laughs> making the play this week because it's going to be someone. And each week it's been a different player, C.J. Gardner-Johnson,
6: taking care of the back end in his defense, making sure they take the ball away. Yeah, all five of his picks are over the last four weeks. Amazing. Amazing. Oh uh, yeah, there's some things the Eagles defense is going to have to watch out for. And they have been giving up a lot of yards on the ground lately. Damian Pierce had 139 against them. We've seen this over the last couple of weeks. What are we going to see from the Washington offense trying to run that ball on this Birds' defense? Well, they have to try and run it. But if you look
7: at their offense, their offensive line has really struggled in past weeks. A lot of injuries on that offensive front. The Eagles have to expect anything from this offense because they do a lot of different things. Curtis Samuel, he'll run the ball out of the backfield. They'll have these jet motions from the wide receivers and jet sweeps. They'll run the RPO game. They'll even have a tight end lineup at quarterback. There's so many things that they'll do just to try and generate some offense because they can't just line up and beat you at the offensive line and, and run the football. So, the Eagles have to expect anything from this offense. Yeah,
0: and this is where the Eagles linebackers, Kazir White and TJ Edwards, have to do a great job keeping their eyes on their luggage. When you're talking about running jet sweeps and different types of uh, play action or misdirection runs Washington is doing this because they can't line up and put a hat on a hat and knock you off the ball they're trying to create angles with these jet sweeps and misdirections so that their runners can find the lane to run the football in so it's going to be imperative that the Eagles linebackers do a great job reading their cues limit your false steps and you can't allow these uh Washington uh whether it's offensive linemen tight ends blockers to get the angle on you to allow, whether it's Robinson or Gibson or even Curtis Samuels, you mentioned, Mike, running the football out of the backfield. This is an unconventional running system that Washington is trying to use, but they have to use it in order to create avenues for their running backs to be able to run through. This game, in my opinion, will be more about eye discipline and being able to get to blockers and defeat them sooner rather than later for our Eagles
7: uh, front seven. You have to be creative when you have an offensive line that struggles. I think both their tackles are struggling. I think they've changed center maybe three times during the course of the season, so when you have all of these moving parts on your offensive line, you're going to
6: have some issues, so they have to figure out a way to generate offense. And a guy who's really getting after offensive lines, Hassan Reddick. but I remember before the season, they were asked, what is he, defensive end, linebacker? Jonathan Gannon said he's a weapon. He's a weapon. (laughs) What, What are some of the things that he's doing, maybe that we're not seeing? We're seeing the sacks.
7: He's doing a little bit of everything, because He can drop in coverage and cover running backs out of the backfield or tight ends. He can blitz. We've seen him blitz, of course. He's going to sack people, but... Even in the run game, he has been solid as a defender in the run game and stopping the run.
6: And he had the pass breakup? Well, that's
0: what I was going to say. I've been surprised at watching him lately. They've been able to drop him back in coverage. They don't want to do that a ton, but you have to do it to have a balanced defense. And so you don't want to have tendencies where you're keying in on certain guys. So every once in a while, Hassan's going to have to drop back in coverage. I thought he struggled a little bit early in the season, but over the last three or four weeks, I think he's been more comfortable playing in space. You mentioned the big breakup he had down in the red zone. That is what you get from a guy who is assured of his abilities. He's not out there with what we call sea legs when you get in the open field with some of these uh, offensive players. Hassan Reddick truly living up to the name of a weapon type of player. We've had a guy around here who called himself <laughs> a weapon before as well. Who would that be? <laughs>
2: All right, so great stuff there from the Eagles game plan crew. Thanks to them, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Care Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.